Hello, you're listening to Trends Distilled, a podcast series from independent family-owned premium spirits company, William Grant & Sons. From the nationwide closure of bars and restaurants to changes in the way we work, shop and socialise, the drinks industry, like many others, has faced a challenging time. So to navigate this new environment, the distiller behind brands such as Hendrix Gin, Glenfiddich and the Balveni explores insightful predictions using the findings of its annual trends report. I'm Tanya Breyer and in each episode I'll be joined by a series of guests to delve into this new research looking at the evolving habits, values and lifestyles of UK consumers from the short-term disruption of COVID-19 to the impact of changes that are here to stay. We'll also be letting you in on a few trade secrets, washed down with perfect cocktail recipes from some incredibly talented bartenders. Hello and a very warm welcome back to Trends Distilled. Now, the turbulent times we're living through have caused many of us to reflect on what's important. The feeling of shared experience and a heightened awareness of some big issues are changing how we think about what we buy. But has the pandemic turned us into more ethical consumers? Well, to help answer that question, I'm joined by our resident consumer trends expert, Tamara Lawson, who's head of strategic planning and insights at William Grant & Sons. I'm also joined by Fab Latham, UK brand ambassador for Raker Vodka, which is one of William Grant & Sons' core premium spirits range. And our bartender this week is Alexa, who is the general manager at Silver Lining in London's Hackney. And finally, I'm very pleased to introduce Bianca Foley. Bianca is a sustainability and style content creator focused on ethical fashion and lifestyle choices. She's also the co-host of the Sustainably Influenced podcast. Well, welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me today. Bianca, I just want to start with you as an expert in ethical fashion, which has become a real talking point for consumers. What are some of the most positive or posturing brand promises you've seen? There's been a lot of different promises and lots of different brands have gone through a million different emotions and changes throughout the pandemic. And having to adapt to how they're selling has been a big Thing. We've seen lots of changes with fashion weeks and things going virtual and a lot of larger um, brands now doing seasonal rather than like drops every couple of months. There's been lots and lots of changes on quite a large scale, but then there's also been so many fast fashion brands on the flip side of that offering quote unquote ethical ranges. But the majority of these ranges aren't ethical at all. So for me, it's more the idea of brands needing to stick to a message and if they're going to stick to that message then they need to back it up with some facts and actually change their processes. What about the consumers though Bianca how are they changing their habits have you changed your own personal consumption do you think since the start of the pandemic? I think all of us could probably say that we've changed a little bit without even thinking about it it's just a natural sort of thing you're in your house now We're not running around. I'm not buying a coffee every morning on my way to work. (laughs) Personally, I've learned to explore my local area a bit more. I live in South London and I'm not from South London. I only moved here about a year ago and I've got to know the area so much more. Even coming down to like things like shopping, going to local um, grocers, fruit and veg shops. And I'm trying to become a lot more mindful 
So things like I've changed my laundry detergents and I've gone to completely eco-friendly ones. I've changed a lot of my cleaning products in the house. Even so much so as things like we've changed energy providers as well now and we've gone to a renewable energy provider, which has been fantastic. So I think being in the house has given me a lot of time to think about myself and how I am as a consumer and be able to adapt to this huge change. Yeah, I see everyone is agreeing then, nodding. Tamara, tell us about William Grant's research in Trending 2021. Have these last 12 months turned us into more ethical consumers? What Bianca has been saying really resonates. Um, We know that since COVID, we've all had our very own personal and individual struggles that we've had to endure. And we're still very much in the midst of it. The impact we've seen has been quite divergent. So there's the individualistic kind of response, the um, feeling at risk and exposed to the virus. But there's also, as Bianca mentioned, this feeling more empathetic because we're all sharing a common experience and navigating our way through this global pandemic. And it's giving us this impetus to want to contribute to our local communities where we can. This stop for pause has had some positive outcomes. We know reduction in air pollution, the whale population is back in growth, growth of electric cars and caring for our communities. And one of the subtrends, I think, of this uh, that we've seen in the report is all about being the change you want to see. So people going from consumption to contribution. We're seeing a shift in consumers taking a more active role in caring for their local community. One fifth of people have volunteered since the beginning of COVID. And I think we all want to see that this struggle has been worth it, um, that we all feel like we're actually making sure that when we come out of this, we're going to have a better world and feel like it's not sort of all for nothing, that we're contributing to our environment and to humanity as a whole. Do you agree, Fab? I mean, do you think that your own personal choices have changed throughout the pandemic? Yeah, 100%. I think it's less about choices now and it's more a sort of seemingly like a duty for us to uh, take an active interest and educate ourselves on the impact on the planet that we're having. It's like, I'm so glad that sustainability is finally trending. Although on the flip side, it's a shame that we kind of had to wait for the planet to get a bit messed up before we were like, okay, this is cool, let's fix it. Well, I know from my own interviews with industry leaders that a lot of brands recognise the need to act responsibly or sustainably, but they might not realise just how important it is to us as consumers. Can you explain a bit about that, Tamara? We know that over half of consumers believe that it's important to me that the brands I buy from are committed to making our society better. So ethical behaviour has never been more important. We have a subtrend in the report talking about being openly democratic. And this is all about the increasing demand for brand transparency to democratise knowledge and empower the consumer to make more informed choices in the brands that they trust. Information about brand behaviours during the crisis is more openly available. Big names are being judged in the court of public opinion and brands are under greater scrutiny since any unethical behaviour during such times of crisis can carry a greater penalty than normal. In the example of fashion, we know that like Primark and Arcadia Group paid the price of brand image damage as the public became aware of them cancelling 
cancelling £2.4 billion worth of orders when the UK went into lockdown, while H&M honoured their orders and ASOS paid back their furlough scheme. So just some examples of kind of how we judge brands in this kind of current environment. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about fashion there, Tamara, because I do actually want to ask you, Bianca, can you give us a sense of the impact of fast fashion in the UK? Definitely. Um, It's incredible when you look at the numbers. I mean, fast fashion in the UK, the UK alone, if you think about the population, we buy more clothes per person than anywhere else in Europe. And there are over 300,000 tonnes of used clothes that are either burned or end up in landfill every year. That's just in the UK. That's a ridiculous number. I mean, we could go into loads of different facts and figures, but I think that those two points are really, really important. And I think they really drive the kind of idea home that we need to make a change with fast fashion and stop consuming and stop producing a hundred or a thousand new items per week or per day on this variety of different fast fashion sites. A lot of the incinerated pieces aren't even sold or worn. So it's definitely a global problem. 10% of the total world's um, CO2 emissions come from the fashion industry as a whole. Well, it's very eye-opening statistics that you're giving us. Now, it is that time in the show that I can introduce the wonderful Alexa again, who's going to talk us through the fabulous cocktail that she's uh, going to make. Because, of course, I should tell everyone listening that William Grant has delivered us all a box of ingredients. Alexa, please, can you talk us through what you're making us, what the name of it is, and then we can all have a sip. This is kind of a collaborative drink between uh, Fab and myself, so I can't take credit for it totally. It's called Springlet. It's based on, a, on the kind of formation of a gimlet. And we just think it's really reminiscent of spring, which I think we're all really looking forward to. So it's comprised of a green tea infused raker, nettle cordial, fino sherry and moss essence. And it's garnished with an oxidised orange wine oil that has a touch of orange, lemon and a little bit of sherry tea to pull the drink together. So it's 50ml of the green tea infused raker, 15ml of the nettle cordial, 10ml of fino sherry. Each drink has a dash of moss essence. And we're just going to stir that down until it's just really nice and cold. It doesn't need too much dilution. And then we'll pour that into a pre-chilled glass. And we're going to garnish that with our orange wine oil. Just four or five drops for you guys. So that's it. And we're just going to... Stir that down, just until it's really nice and cold. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Cheers, good health. Alexa Fab, thank you for making it happen. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Or Schall in Icelandic. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, it's delicious. That's That's lovely. It kind of reminds me of like a a chilled dessert wine, Mm. almost. Yes, that's what it it is, Fab. Yeah. Mm. I I was looking for that description. Thank you. Yeah, lovely. (laughs) We're talking here about values and what's important to Silver Lining. How have you refocused since the start of the pandemic? We were a fine dining small plates restaurant. 
but we ran an orange wine night called Orange Wednesday. We took the time that we had to take during that first lockdown to think about where we wanted to go and took a step to kind of follow that passion and about orange wine. So when we reopened in July, I think it was, of last year, we reopened as the UK's first dedicated skin contact orange wine shop with the idea of becoming a bar when we were allowed to be. And that's kind of allowed us with a lot of kind of hard work and focus on not panicking and being creative and flexible has allowed us to continue operating through all the tier changes between whether we're like a physical shop or a bar or a bar with food or an online store, which we kind of relatively recently launched. Well, we can't wait to come and see you in person, Alexa. Thank you so much. And Fab, I want to ask you to tell me about Reka Vodka. It's made in an eco-friendly and slightly unusual way, isn't it? Tell us. The tip-top thing about Reka is that it's, uh, well, it's made in Iceland, but it's not just made in Iceland, it's made of Iceland. And the other day, actually, I did a little exercise because I was so bored, but I thought I would try Reka by, like, neat, as if I was trying it for the first time. So I polished a glass to, like, the nth degree, poured a little measure in and spent a long time getting those aromas and tasting it. And it really, there was this like eruption of olfactory nostalgia. See, big words. And uh, I was transported to, you know, glaciers, volcanoes, geysers, northern lights, natural hot springs, you know, wild horses, and of course our, our distillery. So our aim is to translate that kind of purity of adventurous landscapes and wild nature into our liquid via utilization of the natural resources available to us in Iceland. We use geothermal energy for our distillation, so it's completely renewable. It's everywhere in Iceland. Um, they also use hydroelectricity from their 10,000 waterfalls. But the CO2 levels around our distillery are actually dropping every year, so that's great. But good vodka needs good water, and I would argue that we use some of the best um, in the world because it's pure glacial water, which is very special indeed. So in your drinks right now is like glacial spring water, billions of years old, straight from the source. And it's very important for you, isn't it, Fab, to work with a brand that acts ethically? 100%. I think that's what, what drew me to the brand originally. I, I went to Iceland to visit my very Icelandic friend, whose name is Bjorn, um, a few years before this job. And I completely fell in love with the way this kind of their sustainable outlook. And, and, but they don't take things too seriously. They just kind of identify the problem and, and get sort of really creative with the uh, solutions. And I think it's completely reflected in the industry, the hospitality industry as well, like bars like Alexis. Um, it's a huge trend, um, you know, minimising waste, but n- not only that, but coming up with really tasty, sustainable solutions for drinks that appear on menus and like utilising different aspects of a whole ingredient and also a range of techniques to extract flavour to kind of aid in the longevity of that ingredient. So it's really exciting to see how people are tackling this problem in a kind of positive way. We've got a new range of uh, brands underneath an umbrella known as Discarded Spirits. And as the name suggests, they really do champion reusing waste creatively. And Bianca, of course, we're talking about sustainability becoming a core focus and value for both new and established brands. Is that something that you're seeing a lot of too? Definitely. Across the board, we're seeing so many established brands looking at ways that they can change their supply chain. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to be easy for a lot of these established brands. And I don't think it's going to be cheap, (laughs) unfortunately. So a lot of them, there's going to be a huge cost implication for doing it, but it will be worth it further down the line for these brands. But definitely, especially across the beauty industry, I'll say that I'm seeing, sorry, I've got a dog sitting here with me who won't be quiet. Um, That's okay. (laughs) We understand we're all working from home. 
But yeah, as I was saying, across the beauty industry, that's where I'm seeing it the most because there's a lot of startup beauty brands that are ethical, clean, sustainable, whichever term they want to use. And they're the ones that are finding it easier because they're starting from the ground up. They're not having to go from 20 years experience and think, oh my God, what do we do? We need to go back and change all of our packaging, our vials, our formulation. They can just start off with this mindset that they're going to be clean and evolve as they're going, which is much better for them. What do you think about social issues, Bianca, diversity, equality? Do you think that we're more aware of what's happening to others because of social media now? Definitely. I think if social media wasn't the giant that it is, then a lot of social justice issues and environmental issues wouldn't get half of the airplay that they do. And it's nice to be able to know that you can learn from anyone on the internet, from any of your peers. I think in terms of like diversity, especially, it's nice to see people from different walks of life getting the representation that they deserve. And because there's not just one bog standard version of human beings there's we come in every shape and size so it's it's really wonderful to see that and it also translates into the sustainability sphere as well i'd love to jump in there about particularly about like kind of social media i think is incredibly important in representing different kinds of producers i'm relatively new to the wine industry i come from a cocktail background so it's it's not something you learn about when you're a bartender and I've found women producers and, and producers that aren't kind of your stereotypical old world wine producers all through social media. And I think that's incredibly important. And it's the set for the same for the, the beverage industry as a whole. And I think that has become massive over the last few months. And that's that because we've had that time. Not that it's a gift. It's been forced on us, but... It's allowed people to spend more time on, on finding those producers and makers and, and stuff. And I think like that's incredibly important, particularly for the generation beneath us who are coming into this industry. How do individuals kind of break down and how do they make the changes themselves? One thing that we always talk about on our podcast is making small, sustainable changes. So it's it's not just sustainability as the term sustainability is we're discussing it. It's just the idea of maintaining something. And I think a lot of people try to go gung-ho for things and like try to change everything. And then they kind of fall by the wayside because it's too much too soon. So making those small manageable changes are where it's important in terms of fashion. For me, the one thing that I always say to people is if you want to start with like your wardrobe, that's a good place to start to review it. Look at things that you can repair or like revise what you've got in your wardrobe and look at what you've then got to recycle what you can donate and then if you do want to replace any kind of gaps in your wardrobe you can buy those things pre-loved and for items that you don't want to like buy or spend a lot of money on like occasion wear and things things that you wouldn't wear often you can always rent or borrow that's a good way to be sustainable because you're not adding to the landfill situation you're not adding to the impact on the environment and The final thing I'd say is if you do want to kind of replace things in your wardrobe to then research ethical brands to replace the fast fashion brands that you would have traditionally bought from. So, yeah, there's loads of ways to do it. There's loads of ways to make those small, manageable, sustainable changes. It's just I definitely I'm always of the kind of mindset where little by little rather than all at once. (laughs) 
I think that's right, Bianca, because people can be consumed so overwhelmed. You know, well, how can I make a difference? What can I do? Tamara, what does your research suggest? Going back to the social issues, are we more open to diverse perspectives? The UK generally understands the importance of having diversity. 81% believe that it's important to be exposed to people with different backgrounds. And scrutiny of businesses has turned to scrutiny of governments and even to ourselves. So the global Black Lives Matter protests and the disproportionate impact of COVID on ethnic minorities um, has exposed the world to other perspectives like never before. Many have gone through a period of self-reflection and learning. I know I have myself and to consider how we've been getting it wrong and how we can be better at supporting diversity and recognising privileged. And outside of race, we also see a heightened consumer cognizance for gender disparity in the workplace, at home and in brand action. Many businesses have chosen to take a stand, aligning their company values to that of their consumers. So interesting also, Tamara, because a few years ago, you'd think that businesses were more likely to stay away from any type of controversy or anything that's too political. But that's not really an option now. Companies that do the right thing and deliver products and services that align to people's values are going to be rewarded. Dove had the wonderful example of bringing diversity of images of women and that going hand in hand with the brand's success. And consumers are paying closer attention to brand's activism. So there's a not doing the wrong thing, being critical for avoiding disaster, but doing the right thing is also critical for success. Um, So purpose drives an organisation to innovate And if purpose isn't ingrained in the way, in your values of your company, then businesses will remain half-hearted about it and social environmental issues uh, will not be the focus of the company and they won't innovate in that way and they'll be left behind. Just fascinating how consumer habits have changed, how our values have changed and how the pandemic has forced them, you know, all of us to rethink and You know, I was just thinking, what is the most important value, do you think? Bianca, I can see you're eager. I think that sense of community is the biggest thing that I've seen. People looking out for one another, people being really concerned with literally what their neighbour is going through. And I wouldn't normally check in on people that I lived near or anything like that. And then now I've become quite pally with my neighbours in the complex that I live in and everybody's kind of in this together and checking on one another and making sure that everything's okay. And it's the idea of checking on people and taking a little bit more time to slow down has been a big thing. And hopefully, like, when we go back to normal, there will be a new normal which incorporates these things that we've Yeah, that's right, For, like, five minutes. (laughs) We've slowed down, and I think that's really important. And our lives have always moved so fast. And it's, I hate that it's had to come from such a horrible, traumatic, devastating event. But I, I'm, there's part of me that is appreciative of that because you have to find the silver linings. I think you're right, Alexa. And Tamara, what's next, do you think, for the values trend? Yeah, this point about uh, the, the moment to slow down and us reflect, getting out into nature more, appreciating our environments and the people around us. 
it's a big theme, but this kind of move from consumption and fast and convenience, always looking for that. And you've mentioned fast fashion, but moving from that kind of focus on consumption to contribution and caring about what we can kind of bring to help our kind of people in our locality, but also to help the wider world around us. Yeah, we all want to come out of this pandemic with some hopes for a better future, whether that be um, helping close to home or contributing to a kind of wider social conversation. I think the younger generation, especially as we come into potentially recession and them having pressurised spending power, they'll want to be treated as contributors and with increasingly um, local and tangible initiatives while remaining globally connected to those really big issues that we've kind of touched on today. Well, thank you so much to all of you for joining me today for this episode. That's all we've got time for. It's been a fascinating discussion. And next time on Trends Distilled, we'll be talking about the decentralisation of luxury. It's all about how we feel about luxury, the different ways we experience it. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Stay safe. If you'd like to find out more about the trending 2021 research we've been discussing today, you'll find the full report at williamgrant.com forward slash trending 2021. To continue this discussion and to find the recipe for the amazing cocktail we created, head over to at UK on Instagram or find us on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening to today's Trends Distilled.